stand. We're going to go over our Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Familiar story, I think, for most of us. We're going to just read verse 13 at the beginning, but we're going to be, I think, um, Luke 1, 5 to 25 or something today. Um, well, Luke 1 and 13, we'll just read that because everyone knows you need to read one to start with. Um, it says, Luke 1, 13, the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And we're just going to pray. We'll talk about how God remembers. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your spirit that's here. I thank you for your word. I pray. And the two would work together and uh, speak to us today, God. I pray that you would encourage someone and uh, help us to hold on to the promises you've given us. And pray and in the name of Jesus, let your will be done the rest of the service. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated if you like. Um, <clears throat> angels. You see them at Christmas. Some people put them on the trees. I don't like an angel on top of a tree. That's my personal thing. I don't know why. That always look funny to me. Um, people have them their decorations. There's that chubby guy with a bow and arrow in February, you see. Uh, you see him in movies, if you watch those. Um, you know, every time a bell rings, an angel catches wings. Um, so they kind of people see angels as some sort of uh, I don't know magical being between God and man, and some people can borderline worship angels, looking for them everywhere. Um, some see them, some think they do. They we use it as a compliment. Um, oh, what an angel! Um, use it as, to describe a sleeping baby when you can finally get them to sleep. People use it to describe their lady friend. Um, maybe a selfless person. There's a baseball team. Uh, we got angels in the outfield. Sometimes, you know, when you picture an angel, you see it looks like a man. Sometimes it's a blonde-haired woman. I don't know. Sometimes they got wings. Sometimes without. Some people think that when we die, we become angels. One of the hymns in the hymn book talks about a new angel. I don't know why. New angel in the choir. want to hear, hear her sing or something. I don't know what that's all about. Um, people talk about guardian angels, fallen angels, all these different sorts of things. And um, angels may be one of the most in, misunderstood beings in the Bible. And so, what are angels? The Bible says that angels are, are heavenly beings. They are worshipers of God. They are ministers to humans. Some uh, sometimes they're messengers. Hebrews one and nineteen or fourteen uh, says, "Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister?" For them who shall be heirs of salvation. And the New Living says angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. And Hebrews 1 and 7 says, Of the angels he saith, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. So angels are spirits. Um, they're invisible, but they have the ability to show themselves. 
as we we know, uh, contrary to popular belief, they're not dead people. We're glorified bodies of dead people. They're non-human spirits with individual personalities. So there's nothing. Um, we'll get to where we're going. Just clearing up what angels are, where we talk about an angel. Um, <clears throat> there's nothing in the Bible that suggests they are our, our dear departed loved ones. Um, nothing to suggest they're trying to get their wings or prove themselves uh, or whatever movie or book you read or saw. Uh, the angel comes from the Greek word angelos, which means messenger. So it puts an emphasis on what they do, the ministry that they do. Uh, we don't talk, of, I haven't preached much about angels before. Uh, there's a lot of preconceived ideas about them that aren't based on the Bible. Uh, we're not going to go into all of that. But we're just going to talk about some of the, the angels in the Christmas story, the next couple of services. We're talking about the stories that have the angels in them. Because as you read through the Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 2, you read through Matthew, the beginning of Matthew, um, they're, they're a big part of the Christmas story, angels. Uh, and they still are. We have them on our nativity scenes. You see them in pageants. When I was a kid, we did a a big Christmas play, and it was all about angels, angels aware. And I had to sing. That was Gabriel. What a voice. I don't think that was the only one I actually sang all the time. They never let me do it again. Well, no. But we, we see them everywhere. You, you, people hang, put them on their wall, whatever. They got, they're all over the place. They're decorations. Um, you get Christmas cards with them on it. We, we sing about them in carols. Hark the herald angels sing. We quote what they said to the shepherds. All these things. They're a big part of the, the Christmas story. And so the first instance of an angel showing up happens right at the beginning of the story. And this is in Luke chapter 1 that we read. And this angel named Gabriel, he shows up uh, to a priest named Zacharias. And although he's not Jesus, Gabriel foretells the birth of another baby whose name is John. And you don't get the story of Jesus without getting the story first of John the Baptist. Because John is the one who prepares the way for Jesus. He's an incredibly important character in the story. So we're going to start there. So I have to go back to the beginning, and we're going to go through the story of Gabriel and Zacharias. If that's all right with you, hopefully it is. So Luke chapter 5, no, Luke chapter 1, verse 5 to 7 it says, And there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. So we've got a few characters that are introduced in the story. We've got Herod, the king. Um, Talk about him because he's basically how they keep track of time. Back in the day, they would say whoever was in charge. In the days of this person, um, in this, the year of whatever, the fifth year of the reign of Somethingiah, Jephaniah, I don't know. This is, this is when things took place. So that's how they, they kept track of time. So we got him. That's we're letting them know when what took place. We've got a certain priest named Zacharias. We've got his wife, Elizabeth. It says that Zacharias was of the course of Abia. Basically, what that means is the priests were divided into 12 groups or 24 groups or rotations. This was the name of his. This is the original shift work. The priests had 24 groups 
and then we'll rotate through the the things they have to do in the temple. My mind is rent blank. And so Zacharias and his wife Elizabeth, they're both of the lineage of Aaron. They're both priestly folks, good folks, righteous, law-abiding people. I know this is riveting stuff. You're all on the edge of your seat. I can tell. And they walked uh, in the commandments of God. They followed the word of God. It says they were righteous. And as far as anyone was concerned, Zacharias and Elizabeth were blameless. There was nothing that anyone could hold against them. There was nothing anyone could say against them. They were just good people. Just a lovely couple. Lived their lives for God. Lived their lives. Um, great reputation in the community. They were the people that everyone, everyone liked. There was nothing you could say about them that was wrong. And, but yet, they hadn't been blessed with children. And in those days, maybe hard to believe, but it was considered a blessing to have children. Nowadays, I don't know what people are doing. They're anti-children, it seems. But in those days, the more children you had, the more blessed you were. And there's no doubt some frustration on the part of Zacharias and Elizabeth um, because they don't have any children. And no doubt there were questions. No doubt they wondered and struggled with that as anyone who struggles with infertility knows. There's, there's, there's questions, you, there's doubt, there's all these things that people wrestle with. And no doubt they also dealt with these things. But through it all, through the years of disappointment and, and not being able to have children through all this stuff um, they remained faithful and through their trial through their their barrenness they remained righteous and that my friends is the test can I remain righteous even if nothing seems to be happening in my life even if it looks like I'm not producing anything even if it looks like nothing is coming out of my life can I continue to remain Righteous? Can I be faithful if it seems like nothing's growing? Can I continue to trust God even if the one thing I want more than anything else is not happening? That's the test. And Zacharias and Elizabeth, they were blameless and righteous. They, they stayed faithful through it all. And the Bible says they were old. Don't need to offend anyone who feels like you're old today. Well, this story is about an old couple. <clears throat> They've been faithful for a very long time. And there was no baby. And so they're faced with the, an impossible situation now. Elizabeth, she's barren. And now they're too old to have kids. I feel like I'm too old. I don't know what we were thinking. <clears throat> and these guys are older. But it's in these impossible situations that God does his best work. And it's in the lives of faithful people that he blesses as well. And we know that God rewards and God honors faithfulness. If you can be anything, be faithful. Because as the story will show us, God remembers. Verse 8 to 10, it says, It came to pass, and while he executed the priest's office before God and the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense. When he went into the temple, the Lord and the whole multitude of people were praying 
without at the time of incense. And so Zacharias's course or his group, it's their turn to do the, the temple duties. And so he's at the temple. He's doing his thing like a priest. He's serving. He's being faithful. Um, even though life hasn't gone the way that he wanted, even though they don't have a baby and all that stuff. And so he doesn't let his circumstance stop him from serving God. He continues to do it. He doesn't let the disappointment stop him from ministering to the people, to the other priests. He doesn't let his, we'll say, heartache keep him from being faithful. And we can make a whole lot of excuses to not be faithful. We can come with all kinds of reasons to blame God for all sorts of things. But Zacharias didn't do that. He kept doing the right thing. He kept serving. He kept being righteous. And he kept being blameless. And on his job on this particular day was to burn incense in the temple. Incense in the Bible represents the prayers of the people. So as he's lighting and offering the incense, people are outside the temple or outside that where he is. And they're praying. And the incense represents the prayers going up. And so this is both a symbolic and spiritual thing that's happening here. And this is a high honor that is permitted to a priest about once in a lifetime. It's not every day that someone gets to go in and offer the incense. And this incense was offered daily uh, before the morning sacrifice and after the evening sacrifice. Around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And they believe it was probably in the evening offering um, that was assigned to Zacharias. And so it's his turn to go in and burn incense before God. And he goes into the temple and everyone else is outside in the, the common area type place. And they're praying. And I realize that Zacharias is a priest and this is his duty. And this is what he's supposed to do. <coughs> but there are a few themes that seem to run through scripture. If you want to hear from God, get alone with him. If you want to be called, get working, do something, and be faithful. And Zacharias is doing all three of these things. And God often speaks to his people and he calls them while they're busy doing their daily tasks. You don't find anyone in the Bible just sitting around and God shows up and calls them. They're working, they're doing something. Moses and David were caring for sheep. Gideon was threshing wheat. Peter and the other disciples, they were, they were mending nets. They were working when Jesus called them. You want to get called? Start doing something. Don't just sit around and wait. Work, God will show up. And so while he's working, he's doing this task, this duty that he has. Verse 11 says, There appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Finally, we get to the angel. Seven hours later. So here we go. An angel appears right beside the altar. He's doing his priestly duties. He's offering the incense and an angel shows up. This wasn't in the job description. The other guy who did it in the morning, the angel didn't show up for him. The guy who did it yesterday, the angel didn't show up for them. This is not what normally happens. This is the first time recorded in about 400 years that an angel shows up. Or someone hears from God. This hasn't happened in a very long time. So this, as you can imagine for Zacharias, is a bit, we'll say, freaky. I don't know what else to say. It's, it's a little bit weird for Zacharias. He's lived a 
good life so far. He's been a priest for a long time. No angel has showed up to him before. And then the one day he gets the big duty to bring or offer the incense. An angel shows up. What would your reaction be? You come up, put your plate, your offering in the plate, and turn, and there's a poof, big old angel sitting there on the right. What would you do? Faint. <laughs> I'd probably run. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That hasn't happened to me yet. We'll see what happens if it does. Most of the people in the Bible, they're afraid when it happens. Um, so what was Zacharias' reaction? Verse 12, it says, When Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. Why would he be afraid? Other than it's weird that it would happen. You know, angels are, are good, right? And most of us would be like, whoa, I think they're a little freaked out. But then we'd be pretty excited, I think, that it happened. And we'd go tell everyone. Um, but Zacharias, he's a good guy. He's blameless. He's faithful. Angel shows up in the temple. That seems like a good thing for the most part, right? And, you know, you walk in here, you see an angel. That's kind of where I think you would, uh, think you would, if you said, I'm going to go see an angel, you would think it would be at church or something, you know. Um, it'd be kind of cool, I think, if we could see the angels just hanging around here. I think that'd be pretty neat. But um, there's a story in the Old Testament in Leviticus um, 1 to 2, and it says in or sorry, Leviticus 10, 1 and 2, and it says, And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon. So they're doing the thing that Zacharias is doing, or they did the thing. And they offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. So Zacharias knows this story. Nadab and Abihu, they offered incense just like he was doing, and they did it wrong, and they died. So if this is in fact the first and only time he's offering incense at the altar, I would assume he's probably a little worried about doing it right. As most of us, I think, would be. Because tradition says, because of this story in Leviticus, that if you do it wrong, you're going to die. You'll end up dead. And they, <laughs> they say that they would put a hook in and they would pull the priest out if he died. Because <laughs> they wouldn't want to go in there and die themselves. So they had this. So this is a thing that's going on. This is a thing that's going on in his head, I would imagine. I don't know if you ever noticed, but it's the people that are living right that are often concerned that they're not. Zacharias was blameless, the Bible says. It doesn't say that about a lot of people. And he's the one that's afraid <laughs> And we got other people living like heathens and like, ah, just accept me for who I am. It's perfect. I'm perfect. I don't know why I did that list. Please forgive me. It just came out. Oh, I'm fine. Just, and they're living like crazy people doing all kinds of stuff. They're the ones that are worried. But anyways, that's a different message for another day. But the people that God sends angels throughout the scripture, they always seem to be afraid that they've done something wrong. Like, why are you showing up to me? I've been faithful, I've been blameless, I've lived my whole life for God, and why are you showing up? Like, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen here. And so, um, they're always afraid they've done something wrong. It's kind of a curious thing. But so, Zacharias, he's afraid, probably of judgment, 
of the unknown because this doesn't happen to people. And there's also this thing that God hasn't given a word in 400 years. Um, but verse 13, it says, The angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. So he says, Fear not. And I always find it amazing that God takes time to make sure that we're not afraid. Fear not. Calm down, man. It's okay. His first address is what's going on inside of Zacharias and the fear and worry that he has. And then he gives him the message and he says, <coughs> your wife, that old lady of yours, she's going to have a son. And this is just not another day in the office, Zacharias. This is a special day. Your wife is going to have a son and you're going to call him John, which means Jehovah is gracious. And then he makes some predictions or prophecies about this baby, what he's going to do, because an angel doesn't show up and tell you you're going to have a baby and just move on. There's always more to it. You know, when an angel shows up to tell you you're going to have a baby, there's probably something special about that kid, and God's going to do something with, with them. And so, you know, you think of Abraham and Sarah, you think of um, Sam, Samson's parents and, and Mary and all this stuff. So, Something incredible is going to happen. This is a special child. He's going to be called um, John. And it says, in verse 14 to 17, it says, Thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. Yes, obviously. They've wanted a child for so long. Joy and gladness. Sign me up. For he shall be, in the, he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's wombs. Okay, so... Um, this is basically a Nazarite vow type of thing. Uh, no alcohol. He's going to have the Holy Ghost, whatever that means um, to them. He doesn't, nobody else really has the Holy Ghost. So this is a different thing, but he's going to have the Holy Ghost. He's going to be anointed from um, the womb from right now. Um, basically, he's been called already. He's not even born yet. Um, but God's going to do all these things. He says, and many of the children of Israel shall turn, uh, shall they turn to the Lord their God. So people are going to come back to God. It's going to be like a good old prophet. Uh, and then it says, And you shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias and to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And the last part is very important, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. The, the last part of that would sound familiar to this old priest who knows the scripture, who knows the prophecies, and as a priest, he would know the word very well. And no doubt he'd heard this line. When he heard this line from this terrifying angel, some scriptures would have come to his mind. Like Isaiah 40 and 3, it says, The voice of him crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, and make straight a desert a highway. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. In Malachi 3 and 1, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom he seeks shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom he delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. So he says, you're going to have a boy who's going to prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He's going to prepare the way. and He's going to be the one that gets them ready for the Messiah that's coming. And what does Zacharias say to this? Verse 18. Zacharias said to the angel, whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, my wife is well stricken in years. What I appreciate about Zacharias is how normal he is. 
Like he's just a regular old priest. Living the best he can. And he asks these super obvious questions than any of us, like, like any of us would. How am I going to know? How am I going to know that you're telling me the truth? Don't you know that we're too old for this? Don't you know we're past it? My wife is well stricken. The years have hit her hard. <coughs> I'm an old man. How is this going to happen? I don't know, Zacharias. Maybe you'll know when your wife starts showing that there's a baby growing. Maybe you'll know when she can't see her toes anymore. That, that could be a sign. I don't know, Zacharias. But he's in such disbelief here. He's, um, he's just, you know, he's worried about doing the, the incense right and not dying and getting through that. And, and now there's an angel telling him he's going to have a baby and the baby's going to have the Holy Ghost, whatever that means. And he's going to turn people to God and prepare the way. And he's like, man, but I'm old. And my wife, she's also not young. And the angel says, you know what? I'll give you a sign. Then you'll know. That'll teach you to question me. So he says in verse 19 to 20, the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed because thou believest not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. So basically he says, because you asked those silly questions and you didn't really believe what I was saying, you're not going to be able to speak until the baby's born. How do you like them apples? How's that for a sign, Zacharias? Is that good enough for you? Verse 20 to 25, it says, The people outside, they waited for Zacharias, and they marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them, and they remained speechless. So they assumed that he's seen something, because he's acting different. And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his administration were accomplished, so his rotations done, uh, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife, Elizabeth, conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. So everyone's outside and they're all like, what's taking Zacharias so long? Did he die? We got to get the hook. What's going on? What's taking him so long? And then he comes out and he can't speak. Because he asked questions, and <clears throat> now he's not going to ask any more questions for a while. And he's making some crazy hand motions because he doesn't know sign language. And he's moving and whatever, and he can't speak. And they're like, ah, obviously this guy's had a vision. This is what always happens when people have visions. I don't know why they assume that, but they did. They assume something happened in there, and he has a vision, they think, and he's, he finishes his duties. Which would have been interesting because you can't talk to anyone that comes. Um, I don't know what he did. But he finished up his rotation and he goes home where Elizabeth is waiting for him. She's probably slightly confused. Um, maybe he was the strong, quiet type, which she didn't notice for a few days. I don't know. Um, but she's probably a bit confused that there, there's nothing coming out of his mouth. He's, he's speechless. But at the same time, that's a pretty incredible, incredible sign. It's um, very undeniable. And so Elizabeth, she conceives and hides herself for five months, it says. If you read the rest of the chapter, you find out that Elizabeth is Mary's cousin. When she's six months along, Gabriel shows up to Mary. 
And Mary goes to see Elizabeth and John and um, and John and sorry, Elizabeth and John in the womb at six months old reacts to Mary showing up. And um, John, so he's six months older than Jesus. And they grow up around the same time, and the time comes for um, them to name the, the baby. And Elizabeth says, we're going to call him John. And um, everyone, this is, he's going to be about eight days old when they do this, and everyone around is, nah, that's a weird name, John. There was nobody in your family knowing John. You waited 78 years to have a baby. You're going to call him John after what? You should be naming him Zacharias. Like, this is, this is the only one you're going to have, Elizabeth. Why are you wasting? Why are you giving them this weird, weird name? And they don't believe, Elizabeth, that John's the name that they want um, because people are weird. And so they're like, we gotta ask, we got to ask old Zach what he wants to name him because John's, John's a weird name. That's not, that's not right. And so he can't speak, so he writes it down. His name will be John. And boom. All of a sudden, his voice comes back. Elizabeth maybe is happy about it. I don't know. But in Luke chapter 3, 2 to 6, it says, And uh, Annas and Caiaphas, being the high priest, the word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias, of the wilderness. And he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet, saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight. And the rough way shall be made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. And so John grows up, and he fulfills this prophecy that uh, Gabriel told Zacharias. And in fact, he preaches it, too. And he becomes a front runner for Jesus, the hype man, if you will. And he gets the people stirred up so that when Jesus shows up, the people are ready to receive. And John has this incredible life and ministry and Jesus says things about him like there's no one greater than John the Baptist and John ends up being a little bit a little bit of an oddball eating locusts and honey and wearing camel skins and he's a strong he's a strong man Jesus says everybody can go out there and expect to see a, a reed shaken in the wind this is no weak guy this is a this is a, a strong guy and John does all these things and it's an incredible story and Cheryl if you could play some tunes that would be great um, but it's just a, an incredible story and I know it's maybe not the one that we associate with the, the Christmas story but it starts the whole thing off <clears throat> Zachariah and, and Elizabeth they're blameless they're righteous they're faithful we're going to end with this and we know that from studying the Bible that names are incredibly important they have meaning Sometimes God would change the name of someone, change their destiny. Um, names really, really matter. They didn't just name them after their favorite character in a book like I have or whatever. They named them things that had meaning. And John says it means he was graced by God or God, God is gracious, right? So what does their parents' names mean? His parents' names. Elizabeth means oath of God. It means that God promised 
something. Her parents named her this when she was born. God promised something. So there's something coming with this little girl. We don't know what it is, but God has got something special for her. And it took her many, many years to see her. Zacharias means God remembers. It's pretty incredible. The destiny of these two was written in, in their names. Growing up, there was a little girl named God's Promise. Or God's Promised. And she married a man named God Remembers. Do you think that's a coincidence? I don't. And I just want to remind you today, during this season of busyness and all kinds of things going on, that God has a promise for you and God remembers that promise. And that's what the Christmas story is about. There was a promise that God would send a Savior and there, there would be a Messiah. And he remembered that promise. And sometimes we can feel like we've been forgotten by God. And no doubt Elizabeth and Zacharias felt that way as they watched all their friends and family members have child after child after child. He was a priest. He would have to dedicate these babies. He would have to do the things when they would come. He would have to... He was involved in countless dedications and naming ceremonies and all the rituals that they would do. And he had seen it over and over and over. No doubt there were times where they felt like they were forgotten. Just like Sometimes we feel like God's forgotten us and the things that he said he would do. And we feel like we can look around and we can see others being blessed. And we can see things working out for others and other churches and other people. And we go on social media and we can compare ourselves with everyone else. And so I just want to remind you to continue to be righteous, to strive, to be blameless like Zacharias and Elizabeth, and be faithful because God remembers and the angel in this story was used to send a message. And that message was God remembers. He's going to bless. And he's going to provide. And he's going to do something incredible as he's promised it. It's going to come through. And so I just want to take some time today and let God reconfirm some things in our life. And I know I took a long time telling the story and I made lots of jokes and Try to keep it interesting and all that. But the whole point of it is God remembers. These guys live their lives being faithful. And sometimes that can be frustrating when you're just faithful and faithful and it seems like nothing is happening. But God sees it and God honors it and God remembers. His promises are still good. He's still a God of his word. He's still a healer. He's still a deliverer. He can still do what he said he would do. He's still got a plan and a purpose for our lives. Even if it feels like we've wasted all the years, and now we're well-stricken in years, and I'm an old man, and I can't see how this is going to happen, God still has a plan and a purpose for our lives. And so today, I wonder if we could take some time and just, again, surrender to him and just, God, I trust you. I know that you remember. I know you've got a promise. I know you said you would do these things in my family. I know you said you would do these things in my life.
Just hold him to that promise. God remembers. They named that boy Zacharias. God remembers. And it wasn't for years until they saw that come to pass. And Elizabeth, God's promise. Years before they saw it come to pass. We like to see things happen right away, but sometimes it doesn't happen like that. So I wonder if we could take some time this morning. I'll stop talking. I know God's spoken to many of us. He's given us promises in his word. He just wants you to know today that he remembers those. We're going to just take some time. We're going to pray. Let's turn to him. Let's tell him. Trust him. Let's do that today. You want to come around the front? We'll pray together. If you want to pray in your seat, it's fine. Let's just pray um, during this season. Hold on to those promises. In Jesus' name.